Hello and welcome back to the Inner Only podcast, um, episode 12. And yeah, you probably realise that this isn't Rosa, it's uh, it's me, B. Um, I just want to just uh, give a quick round of applause to Rosa for leading last uh, podcast. She did a terrific job. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that one, um, I guess pause this this episode and go back and listen to that one because she did a really good job so I just want to give her a special shout out Um, so yeah it's it's me back Um, hopefully people missed me Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but I'm not alone I've got two new people joining me today and uh, two sort of uh, returning regulars and we're discussing a movie just one movie Uh, which is celebrating its anniversary this month. And, uh, yeah, that movie is the 1995 uh, film Clueless. So uh, one of my favourite films. So I'm super happy that we're getting a chance to discuss that. So without any further ado, let me introduce the... Let's go with our newest writer, one of our newest writers. Um, Erica, how are you doing today? You're, You're... first time onto the podcast. Yes, hi. I'm super, super excited to be here. Uh, Clueless is one of my like all-time favorites, like from childhood. Um, so I'm super, super excited. Um, and just to get to, a chance to talk with y'all. I know we talk on Twitter and stuff, but this is like more official. So I'm super excited to be here. Um, we're super excited to have you. It's lovely uh, to ha- have a n- new voice. Uh, but we've got someone else who's joining us. So she's not uh, a newbie, but this is her first ever time on the podcast. Let's get you to introduce yourself. Who we got? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is Christy. I'm super excited to be here. I've wanted to do this every time. I just never was able to jump on the podcast. But yeah, um, I'm so excited to be able to talk to everyone, kind of meet in a sense uh, as much as you can this way. But I can't wait to talk about Clueless. It's so influential to me when I was younger. So it's awesome. I'm just happy to be here. Oh, that's great. Well, we're glad to have you joining us because, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I know that you've recently got a new job. So congratulations on that as well. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, returning once again, uh, we've got Valerie. How are you doing, Valerie? I'm good. Hello from Florida in the USA. So (laughs) I always joke that when I talk to B because she's across the pond, that she's calling from the future. (laughs) (laughs) And you're you're calling from the past. I'm calling from the recent past. Whoa, that's crazy. Um, Yes. Oh, thank you for joining us again. It's lovely to hear from you. And last but not least, we've got Nicole. How are you doing, Nicole? I'm good. We've got a lot of Americans in the house today, which yes. is exciting to talk about Clueless, I think, especially. <laughs> um, no. I feel like maybe I've got a different perspective. I didn't grow up with this movie. I watched it for the first time only probably about five years ago, but I'm super excited to discuss it. Yeah. yeah. I saw- I, I saw it actually I remember where I where I saw it and I was not a kid when I when I saw it uh, I saw it at the uh, I, back when I was living in in uh, Brooklyn I went to the three dollar Cineplex Odeon in Hell's Kitchen because they would have <laughs> second run movies there and that's where I saw it but it was uh, it was quite fun and it's kind of interesting to see me movies 
it's like you you know you enjoy it when you watch it but it's like so many movies you don't know that it's going to have that longevity maybe and then you, you know it's kind of a pleasant surprise when you've seen something and it's like oh wow that's still something that people really adore and and they enjoy and that it's you know it's celebrating it you know quite an anniversary yeah and i think it's it's great that um this was picked by our uh, everybody over on Twitter, I put out four movies to sort of see what people would like us to talk about. Um, we had Shirley, we had Grease, and Dirty Dancing, and Clueless. And Clueless was the one that was picked. So uh, a lot of Clueless f- fans out there. <laughs> it's funny too because I, Nicole, I think you said you were, you had just recently seen it a few years ago, and I don't think you're alone. I think I've seen because it you know, now hit Netflix um, in the U.S. just recently. So many adult people that I know are watching it for the first time. And I'm like, where was your childhood? Like, this was <laughs> the, you know, movie that I, like, watched a million times when I was younger and even remember, like, I even remember having the VHS and the word sex was on the VHS. And I remember being like, oh, my God, I wonder if my mom and dad <laughs> that the word sex is written on the VHS, like, cover. <laughs> like, I just, it's so funny to me that I know so many people that haven't seen this. Um, one of my coworkers, I tease her all the time. She's, she's a few years older than me. And this would have been like, when it, this film came out, it would have been like her teenage years, which I was way too young to be watching it then. Um, but she was a teenager and she's never seen it. And she always, her and I always quote mean girls back and forth to each other. And then I'll go to quote clueless. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she's I'm like, completely clueless. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I actually avoided watching this movie for many years um, because I was nervous that I wouldn't like it because I feel like it gets lumped in with a lot of other like teen movies sometimes like mean girls. Um, and she's the man, you know, all those teen movies, which, I can be very picky about. And also I will say Emma by Jane Austen is my favorite book and I'm quite protective of it as, as a book and as a character. I was going to um, say, yeah, I was, I was surprised to hear you say that knowing that you love those, that novel. I think I, I'm, this is going to sound so funny, I'm sure, but I've seen so many people be like, well, Clueless is the only good version of Emma or like, you know, things like that, that I think I had this resentment towards the movie. And I actually don't think it's a very, it's a great adaptation of Emma. I I appreciate it on its own a lot more than I do as any sort of commentary on the book. Um, And so that kind of kept me away from it for a few years. But I finally was like, okay, I just need to watch this and like get it over with. And I was surprised at how much I actually enjoyed it, even if it does feel very dated in some ways particularly some of the relationships in it. Yeah, the fact that it's 25 years old makes me feel kind of kind of old. <laughs> but um that was, I actually I also had it on VHS and I watched it probably too young and I watched it over and over and over again. Yeah. I pretty much know everything. And yeah. it's funny my mom actually really liked it, so I guess she was okay with me watching it, but there's so many things now that when I watched it as an adult, I realized went over my head. Yeah, like references, just totally. Yeah, and it's funny watching it when you're older, like, oh, wow. Same, yeah. I was five when it came out, so I don't even remember, like, when I first saw it, when I first got the VHS. Like, I was definitely probably, I want to say, at the 
oldest, like eight or nine, probably. I don't know. I don't even remember. I was eight. Yeah. I was eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely rewatching as an adult, you're like, oh God, I totally missed that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I saw it. I was. I'm going to be 50 in October, so I saw it pretty much when I was like 24 or 25. Right. So it was, yeah, it was definitely something, like I said, just as an older person to see, which is why uh, it was, it, why it, it was struck me as enjoyable at the time, because I wasn't the teen audience, you know, and yeah. It, yeah, so it was, it was neat to watch and not, not, um, you know, I don't think I would have liked it as, as much if it hadn't had the things about it that, you know, make people still keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. You does that make sense? Because I, you know, as a teen, you know, you like the fashion and you, mm-hmm. you like a lot that's funny um, about it. The, some of the humor that she gets into like that. I was scrolling through. Um, I hadn't had a chance to watch it before the podcast, but I was scrolling through some of the memorable line, lines <laughs> and just like her, you know, where she's trying to like stop at, at, the, at the like that was a stop sign. And she's like, I paused. Oh, I totally. <laughs> yeah, I totally paused. <laughs> Yeah, and so it's like just the, her delivery and everything like that is is uh, she's really quite adorable. But um, I was reading this piece, and I mean, B, you can guide the conversation. But I I was reading this piece in uh, New York Magazine's Vulture from a woman named Jen Cheney, and I think she talked about that it's so it's actually a wonderful satire. It's a fun movie, yeah. But it's a satire of a certain level of white privilege and I know that that's a term that a lot of people are talking about right now for a lot of social justice reasons but she's she did a really good take on it and talked about like such affection that Amy Heckerling has for Cher like she doesn't she's not poking fun at Cher she actually like really likes Cher almost like a child of hers you know and you do kind of get the sense that the movie isn't making fun of Cher the movie is about how Cher comes to be less selfish yeah, even in she, her own she, little way yeah she know? sort of grows as a character and I don't yes. you know I, I think that's what I like about this movie is that um, uh, there is actual character growth happening and the characters aren't you know they're not really spiteful to one another there is some sort of like um, you know a little bit of uh, 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 the, the school is just this wonderful place where everybody sort of gets along even if there are problems with it but it feels like you know there is a level of acceptance all the way around for everybody like you know there's not any sort of you don't really see very much bullying going on whereas in other teen comedies you almost have like the isolated pocket groups but at least in Clueless people seem to be sort of yeah it seems like a a good environment to belong to I, th- I think that's what I like about Clueless is that it's kind of um I know it's not a very realistic depiction of uh, high school life but it is it does kind of fill you with some sort of hope and optimism that that's what we could sort of strive for where everybody is almost accepted for who they are yeah. Right. I agree. I like that there was the different groups, like, you know, the the potheads or whatever, when they're showing all the different kind of like stereotypes, but it wasn't like it, it was like everyone was accepted, you know, and I love that um, when Brittany Murphy's character comes in that 
they want to bring her into the in you know into their little circle and give her a makeover not right away I like that they kind of like let her be herself for a little bit and then just kind of want to give her a little bit of a makeover um so I definitely definitely agree I like that there was inclusivity but everyone was still their own person yeah and she ultimately chooses um one of the skater boys at the end of the film like you know she get and and nobody seems to be that bothered by it she just gets to be with him and that's the perfect fit because they're they're right for each other so that's what I, I like about the movie like there is yeah she does have a makeover but it's not like Greece you know it's (laughs) (laughs) which is a really problematic movie so maybe I'm glad that we that one didn't win in our poll (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sucker for Greece I love Greece Um, it I, is interesting, though, I think whenever you watch these movies back as an adult and, yeah. you know, things like Clueless and Grease and uh, any of these older, like, teen films, I feel like. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, even The Breakfast Club or Sixteen Candles. You watch it back as an adult and you're like, oh, oh, these relationship dynamics maybe aren't the best. Or like, <laughs> oh, God, why did I idolize that relationship as a kid? Like, mm-hmm. um, like in this, I think it's such a weird, bizarre choice to make Cher and Josh step-siblings. Yeah, I always thought that was a bit odd, <laughs> wasn't it? I was wondering about yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I have to confess, I've never read Emma or seen any of the other, like, adaptations of it. And I didn't know if that was, accurate or not no so in the book emma um mr knightley which is the character that josh is based on mm-hmm. is uh his brother is married to emma's older sister oh, and okay. so they're related in that kind of tangential way but they're i don't know it just it feels a little bit less right weird. yeah and they've, yeah. They've, yeah. Yeah. Oh they've never God. lived in the same household nothing like right. that Although there is still that age gap, but I think the age gap feels a lot weirder whenever you're looking at it in, like, 1990s California and not, you know, in England. Yeah, it's funny because my friend who, he was like, I voted for Clueless. Like, you know, I think he was like, I want to, he texted me and he was like, I want to hear what everyone thinks about that because it was weird then and it's still weird now. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what people will say about it. I don't know how accurate it is to the book. And he didn't even know it was based off of Emma. So he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, I, I, we'll find out. And I'll just listen. <laughs> so, it's yeah. definitely weird. Yeah. 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 So, I, I think also... I, Oh, go ahead. I like forget I forget throughout the movie how young she's actually meant to be. Oh, is she sixteen or is she fifteen? I think she's sixteen. She's either sixteen or fifteen. Right, because she's just striving, which that would be Yeah, yeah, the fact that you guys can't drink until you're twenty one, but you're okay (laughs) to drive really baffles me, but okay. Obviously, like in college, so it's like a pretty, and I think it's one of those things too, where maybe that age gap wouldn't be weird if these were people in their twenties or thirties. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always weird if one person is sixteen. And you know what? It's funny. So odd. Yeah, it's funny how we're talking about like looking back on it and stuff. Because I think when I was a child, like I didn't even pick up on it. Like I didn't even like, oh, it was mentioned that he was her stepbrother, but I don't know if I even, like, thought about it, you know, and then, yeah, again, coming back to it later, you're like, oh, God, that's so strange, even though, and it was very much like, you know, she kept, like, saying, like, 
he's not your stepdad, like about her dad or whatever. Um, trying, I guess, to make that separation so that when they did end up together, it wasn't as weird. But it was still weird. I don't know. It's just a very weird choice to make. Yeah, it is. It is a weird like, relationship. They didn't have to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think he could. I think he could have just been uh, an intern or an employee yeah, for the yeah. dad's law firm and been hanging around. He didn't have to have her dad has been the ex-husband of his mom at some a point. A family friend. Yeah, like family that. friend yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Next door neighbor. And when I was younger, I didn't think about that either. Like yeah. it didn't really occur to me. Maybe because I was so young, or maybe because Paul Rudd is just so charismatic that it didn't matter. <laughs> I mean, oh he God. doesn't look any old. He, he right. looks the same age now. Exactly. <laughs> That's probably why I didn't think anything of it when I was younger. Because I'm like, oh, they're the same. Like, they look the same age, you know? Yeah, because Paul <laughs> Rudd is literally a vampire. I'm convinced. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. He definitely sold his soul somewhere along the way. Because, like, you watch him in Ant-Man and you watch him in Clueless and he looks the same. <laughs> Honestly, I'm okay with it. I love Paul Rudd so much. I'm totally same. fine with it. He's got exactly. he's got he's got some uh, some portrait in the in the in the that's I was honestly kind of struck watching it again the other night by just how charming he really is in this movie and how much he does to sell that character. Yeah, um, because it could have been a very one note character, you know, like I he could have been very sort of like. Um, he never really mocks her in a spiteful way, like when she's, you know, when he's talking about the sort of watching the news or something on TV or, and it's never in a, like a, he's never trying to make her feel small in order to big himself up. Like he, I think there's like a genuine, like affection there that he wants to also help her sort of learn that she is quite smart and intelligent and, um, resourceful in that regard i think he's trying to bring out her good qualities in in that in that respect and it's kind of like you know she so their relationship is interesting to me but at the same time the age gap just completely ruins it for me that i i don't know whether they would last do you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. Because of that age gap, I just feel like, would they be together five years' time? I mean, what happens when she goes to college, you know? So it's one of those unrealistic Hollywood relationships. And you think, yeah, the moment this film is over, they're going to be moving out or divorcing. (laughs) Yes. I'd be curious to see Cher in college. What would that look like? Like... That could be a whole other movie, her in college, if she would yeah. go. I wonder what all. she would do. You know, I think she. I always imagined her like Elle Woods in college. As yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> I think she would thrive. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm. I'm picturing it like you know, would she go into yeah, like into politics or something? Yeah, that'd be that so was sweet. What my thought was <laughs> chair for president. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely make it happen. I would watch that movie. <laughs> Same. maybe she's that's a, what we need is a clueless sequel where it's like an older version of Cher what's she up to now in like 20 oh my god don't play games with my heart like that I, <laughs> I would love to see what she's doing in 2020 how would she be like does she have a daughter 
of her own age, you know, like her yeah. age. Come on, Amy Heckerling, get on it. <laughs> exactly. What's What's actually really wink, interesting wink. is um, last year in New York, I saw uh, Amy Heckerling wrote a musical version of Clueless. Oh, wow. It's called Clueless the Musical, and I saw it. Um, it was off-Broadway. Um, and it was fascinating. That. It was like a – they did it as a jukebox musical with music from the 90s, but with – Oh, that's so lyrics. cool. And it was honestly so cute and heartwarming, and I enjoyed it so much. And I, I wish that it had, you know, gone farther um, and had a longer run. But yeah. clearly Amy Heckerling then is still thinking about Clueless. So I'm like, come on, girl, sequel time. <laughs> yeah, maybe she's listening to this podcast and we could all sort of, yeah. like, contribute, you know? <laughs> We're going to convince her. Sure. Yeah, definitely. What do you think? Um, I think it's interesting. We sort of like discussed like the relationship between Josh and Cher. But um, what about the term, you know, the sort of the relationship between Dion, Ty and Cher, like the, the friendship that is the real sort of crux of the movie? Um, I, I just remember like watching that movie and being kind of jealous that I didn't have that level of friendship oh that's very sad I know um but, <laughs> but me too I love, yeah I love I love how close they were and uh, I think like the the sort of chemistry the the, the banter that um Stacy uh, Dash and Alicia Silverstone and, and Brittany Murphy have is just fantastic they just go so well together. They always, you know, they do give the impression like they are old friends on on screen. I think what's interesting too is that Cher clearly has the best interests of everyone around her at heart, and even whenever she's doing things where it's like, you know, she kind of is trying to to craft this new girl into her own image. And, you know, she warns her away from the guy that she ends up with at the end of the movie. But it's it's kind of about Cher having to learn that she doesn't always know best and to kind of let go of some of that controlling uh, manner that she has, which I think is really interesting because I feel like we've probably all had that friend in a friend group who, like, thinks that they know everything. And, like, sometimes you just kind of go along with it because it's it's kind of nice sometimes to, to have someone be willing to like, okay, yeah, sure. Like <laughs> tell me what to wear. Like that's okay. But to kind of see the three of them have to transform um, mm-hmm. as they all kind of become better and, and uh, have a healthier dynamic between them at the end of the film, I think is really nice. Yeah. I like, um, I think that, you know, I recommended that vulture piece before, but, you know, what's nice about her is, you know, because we've all known somebody who is like the busybody who gives, you know, the who gives unsolicited advice. And it's like, well, well who asked you, you know? But if um, the thing about about Cher and even about Emma, when they when they've done a good at, adaptation of Emma, is that, you know, it's not that she's self it's not that she's coming from a selfish place she's not like a conniving person she's not somebody who um she does think she knows best and she that's what she's clueless about but um it's not that she's necessarily trying to put other people down she's got a good heart in there somewhere 
at, you know, she wants to see, uh, she sees the two lovelorn teachers and she wants to, she gets this idea of like, you know, like she's going to be play Cupid because, you know, she wants to see people happy. And oh, wouldn't this be neat if this happened? Like, like there's a genuine caring on her part. And, um, you know, that is, I think, is a tricky thing to pull off. You know, but I, I think that's what, what makes her, um, there's something endearing about Alicia Silverstone doing that, even though, you know, that she, she could be seen as a meddler. But she's not. But you still like her a lot. I was just gonna say, and I think they do a good job of showing that with her and her relationship with her dad. Like she's always, you know, taking care of her dad in in a way that she's trying to fill that, like, you know, that role in her father's life. Like he doesn't have a wife or somebody to take care of him, so she, you know, tries to look out for him in that sense too. And I think that shows how much of a caring person she is in like all aspects of her life, not just with like her peers and her friends, but with her family as well. That's what I really like about the movie is that we have a a, a female character who is very active in, in the story and is generally part of the narrative and is like, a, she's a, a not a perfect role model, but there are lots of aspects of share that, of stuff that we can take on board like the caring side and you know the genuinely trying to help people so and I think of like other role models that I had when I was growing up and there weren't that many strong female role models in 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 like film at that time it's much better now but um the 90s were not really that great for positive female role models (laughs) I also think that we still sometimes struggle in films to get positive female role models who are still quite traditionally feminine and love fashion and Mm. like to go shopping. Like typically, I feel like we have this weird thing now where to be a strong female character, you often have to not like fashion, not like shopping. You you know, it's that whole like, I'm not like other girls syndrome. Mm. And so I think it's so refreshing to see a character who really embraces all of that. But also like part of her struggle is to get other people to take her seriously and, and you know it's kind of an Elle Woods type thing as well um but I just I'm always like we need more of those characters because I think a lot of girls whenever they're growing up I know this certainly happened to me kind of got into the mentality of like oh well I have to reject traditionally feminine things to be strong or to be smart and I think characters like Cher are so great because they show that you don't have to do that you can like the color pink and also, you know, like um, climbing trees or something, you know, like exactly. It, it, you know, there is there isn't one extreme or the other, and I think that's kind of what we get with with um, Clueless, you know, like mm-hmm. we we see that sort of evolution of character. And what's interesting too, you know, she was kind of like a role model to me when I was younger, but I always thought, and I love the friendship with the three girls. But I wasn't I couldn't really find that anything relatable in their life, Um, not, you know, with the extravagance and the school and everything and the fashion like that wasn't me. But somehow just within the characters themselves, specifically Cher and like we talked about her genuineness and caring, I think I wanted to be that way. So it didn't matter necessarily if I couldn't see myself like hanging out with them per se. Um, it was just something about them was kind of inspiring. Yeah, 
I think that's I think the world that um, the film is set in is so so crazy like uh, it could I don't know I obviously don't live in uh, in California but like does that type of world exist that world of like privilege <laughs> and yeah. fashion absolutely oh, Oh, okay. It does. I'm nowhere near it, though. <laughs> I think it's a very small world, but, like, from what I know, it definitely does exist. I think the movie is a really interesting satire on that culture um, and on the extravagance of it. And I think that's what I like about the film so much is that it's really mocking that culture. It's never mocking the actual characters themselves. Um, you know, like, yeah. Cher is very sympathetic, and I think... So often whenever you have the the character of this, you know, the perfectly pretty blonde popular girl in school in a film, it is more of a Regina George character and it's you're meant to dislike her or the film kind of mocks her. Whereas in this, I think, you know, everyone loves Cher and for good reason. And we can make fun of the culture that she lives in without making fun of her. Right. And I think one of the best scenes that does that is when she gets left at that um, like liquor store parking lot and you feel so bad for her, but you're also laughing at her because she like is being held at gunpoint, but doesn't want to ruin her dress. You know, it's like, it's perfectly done that you, like you said, you're like, Oh my God, this, come on. She's like, I mean, literally being held at gunpoint, but doesn't want to ruin her dress and it's like also a little relatable somehow I don't know <laughs> that's one of my like per- that's like one of my favorite scenes in the whole film I mean how do we feel like the film tackles like LGBTQ characters I mean there's obviously the character of um Elton um uh, who Oh, is that is that Christian the boy? Oh, sorry, the, yeah, the, yeah. I'm trying to remember all the characters. Elton's Elton's the one who turns out to be the creep. Yeah, he's yeah, the one, Jeremy's yeah, sister. Yeah, yeah, he's the one who leaves her in the liquor store parking lot. Yeah, and who yeah. loves the cranberries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rolling with the homies too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I think too many boys to remember all yeah. their names. <laughs> I feel like the character of Christian. Well, I don't know that if I saw that character in a movie now, I would be like, I would think that that was good representation. But to me, it feels like for 1995, Mm. that was actually pretty good. Mm. Yeah, I think so. I I like that she's that, you know, even when she finds out that he's gay or she doesn't like pick up on this at first, but they (laughs) have all these like comical signals by the old-fashioned movies he likes and the way he dresses you know and then Dion and and her boyfriend are like you know that he that he's got to be you know it's not that they that they still think he they still like um like she like she was just saying you know I don't know if I would watch it today I still have like my lens of when I first saw it on, on there it's nothing that, like, I've seen stuff from movies of that era, and I'm like, ooh, that doesn't age so well. Mm. But there's almost something affectionate about the fact there's such a light tone to it that she doesn't quite catch on, you know? And and the fact that it, that um, 
it's like I said, it's his taste of fashion and his taste in movies. He's the he's like the fashionable gay friend that we've had in movies, like with in a lot of rom coms in a way. And, and so that, I think it's almost like more palatable there. And it's not like all of a sudden she's like, oh, I don't want to be around him. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Uh, they her only issue with it. Yeah. yeah, her only issue with it is just that she can't date him. Like she doesn't have an issue with right. him being gay. It's just that she was into him. It's because they were so fashionably, like, perfect for each other. I think she's just, (laughs) you know, she always is, at that stage, she's sort of perceiving, like, a partner as being a a fashionable accessory, like, an extension of her sort of outfit, really. So (laughs) it's, it's, I think it's quite interesting, but, you know, compared to other movies... Um, that were out in the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, there are so many teen comedy films I cannot watch now because they're just really, they've really aged quite badly. And the, like, the representation that's in them is, like, you just think, well, this film was made in 2007 or something, and it's really bad, but... With Clueless, I actually generally think it's um it's not aged all that badly. I still think it's um quite good. Although there are still some elements of the movie, I think there's a, a bit of a lighter sort of approach to suicide, which doesn't really um sit well with me. But I tr- yeah, it's kind of trying to see it through the lens of and the context of when it was made. Yeah, I think just the whole view of Christian strikes me as less icky than the step than the relationship that she finds up romantically with her stepbrother. To be honest, that's just me. You know, she, she's think very it's remarkably the, casual about the whole thing. She's like, oh well, you know. It's not like, even the stepbrother thing that bothers me so much as the age gap between them. To be honest, like mm-hmm. as the fact that she is literally sixteen and he is a college student. I completely which, agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I think maybe yeah. she should have just not had, she should have just simply been happy with not to have a boyfriend, you know, at the end of the movie. That, that would have made the film maybe even stronger. She was mm. just like, I'm okay with not having, uh, you know, a boyfriend right now. And that's all right as long as, you know, but I'm happy for my, my friends that they're, they're, they feel happy and content with their love lives, you know? Yeah. 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 Or even if he had been like, a senior in high school, you know, like a year or two older than her, I think it could have worked a little bit better and not seemed so cringy. Yeah. I also think she, you kind of forget she is 16 because she presents herself as, even when she's obviously making plenty of mistakes and overlooking and being clueless, she definitely carries herself even to seem like she could be almost 18 at times. At least maybe that's just how I perceived it when I was watching it or my hopeful self. So I didn't look too much into the age gap. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting that, um, like, in a lot of ways, she's mature, but at the same time, she is, like, you know, completely clueless. And and I think she's very, a bit too naive, maybe, Um, especially when it comes to, like, terms of, like, sex and um, what to do with boys. And, but at the same time, um, I think it kind of, connects with young girls who are what you know at the time of that share is you know like 
at the same similar ages like you are trying to be mature but you're not fully aware of what the world is like so I think it you know I think it's really does talk to it knows its target audience very well yeah and she seems very confident you know like that's Mm. a big part of it too I think yeah but that's also um I mean then that's that goes back to the the character growth again you know I have I my husband is joking that this that COVID has just kind of accelerated our son being a teenager (laughs) because he's 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 ten, and but he's playing uh, online video games with his cousins a lot. So he's kind of, literally speaking, like another language we kind of do not understand sometimes when he's got his headphones on, and he's like he's a teen already, and we just didn't realize that this whole thing has just accelerated it. So I think like with with um, you know, a lot of it could be Alicia's performance too. You know, she does. You do mentally, you think of her as older. Because even the, the whole driving thing, I don't really think of, I, uh, I'm i like you, I didn't think, I, I don't get think of her as 16 in the movie. But um, I also think it's like how teenagers know everything. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, and I say this apparently as someone who's not too far away from having that one myself. But he, um, you know, he's 10 and he knows a lot already. And it's like, no, I'm older and I've lived longer. Trust me on this. <laughs> I know, there are some things I know. So I think that that kind of goes along with with her growth in that it's a not it's not a mean spirited thing that she thinks she knows best. It's just the mindset and the stage of life that she's in. Like, of course, I know how to do this. Like, I've got this all figured out. And then she finds out that she doesn't. And I think that is part of what makes uh, that character so, you know, relatable. Because you've all, you all been like that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think as well, she's lost her mother. And she's had to, you know, look after her father. True. Sort of almost be her own parent in, in a lot of respects. And, you know, she's not had someone to teach her how to you know like girly sort of things I say girly sort of things gosh I feel feel so old when I say girly (laughs) but you know like um she's not had someone teach her like how to put on makeup or how to do her hair because she's not had that female role model so she's had to do all that herself and I think that's why she becomes like motherly towards tie you know like the makeover and trying to take her under her her wing in order to sort of make her popular I actually like that the makeover not that the makeover backfires because she does dress different but she likes the skater boy that she was hitting it off with from the beginning like on the inside she's still very much the same like one of these tired uh, things that I have always hated in these teen in teen movies, a lot of movies, because I wear glasses. Is when oh, you take off yeah. the glasses. And, oh yeah. I knew my you gosh, were gonna say this. She's gorgeous. She's a totally different girl. <laughs> Why did I not notice this before? And then she never goes back to those blasted glasses. Oh no. You How know. could she ever How see them? Never. You know. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I like that they, in spite of the makeover, that tie is still tie. Like you yeah. could put. Yeah. yeah. That's kind and of, she has an interesting kind of she has an interesting kind of arc in a way too she goes through a lot of different changes because at one point she's you know pretty horrible to share and then it kind of takes that experience to bring her back to who she was but 
there, I think all three of the women grow to an extent. Um, Dion maybe a little bit less than the other two, or it's just not as evident. Yeah, I think um, what I, I, I what I like about the film is the fact that the the it does. Te- um, I looked it up. It does te- um, pass the Bechdel test, um, so it does have um, female characters talking to each other, and men are not the focus of their conversation mm-hmm. you know how it's crazy that it's still really rare that films actually have two female characters talking to each other and they're not having a conversation about men um so i that's what i like is that they are actually discussing um topics and, and having conversations and the the conversation you know even though there is a focus on boys and dating it's there's more to the movie than just you know um girls trying to find dates for the prom <laughs> yeah um, and i i sorry go back and go back to the glasses thing but has anyone seen not another teen movie yes yes <laughs> i instantly thought of that she's got a ponytail Aw, oh, she could <laughs> like she's got glasses and a ponytail. She can never be a prom queen. Yeah. Hey, actually, because so I like, caught the end of She's All That last night, which is like the perfect example of that. And uh, that also was like one of my favorites growing up. And it's just so funny how, yeah, it was like she completely changed because she they took her glasses off. <laughs> got out of the painted overalls. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so in terms of how Clueless stands up today, um, would you sort of um, recommend this film to people? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. And I even would recommend it to younger people because I think there are some films like, you know, I I understand so many of us like things like Grease and like, I don't have an issue watching it, but it is one of those things that I hesitate before watching it with my teenage sister. Um, I'm like, ooh, if we're going to watch this, we probably need to have a conversation about it and why what it's saying isn't good. Whereas something like Clueless, like, I feel like teen girls can watch it. And even though obviously it's a bit dated, I wouldn't be concerned about the messages that they would take from it. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I would, I mean, I would rec- recommend it. I kind of, uh, as far, like, as Grease goes Greece was the one I saw when I was little my grandparents took me to see Greece because it was a musical with singing with Olivia <laughs> Newton-John who I liked a lot when I was like under 10 so they took me to, to the movie you know and so that one for me has really not aged well I've like I, I know um I know Erica's like, oh, I love Grease, but yeah, I really cannot watch, <laughs> cannot watch it. I it's just, nostalgic. Like, nope. It's nostalgic. It's, it's, I, yeah, I get uh, it. Yeah. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, nope. Uh, like, I check out. So like that one, you know, and but there are people who who adore it, but um, you know, and but yeah, I have that one's one I have like I just will have issues with, but I will, but yeah, Clueless, I don't really see, you know, like um. Like I said, it's she's got some character growth. You know, she's not a she's not a bad character who becomes good. She's a she's a sweethearted character who be, who thinks she knows it all and becomes more enlightened. That's a very charming thing yeah, to see. Yeah, I think 
Yeah. I think there's a lot about the movie that people I would recommend, like even younger uh, women and stuff watching now, because I think there's a lot to take away from it. But it is also nostalgic for me. I love how 90s that movie is, like yeah. the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I definitely had that soundtrack. Let's just say that. Yeah. I had the VHS with a music video on it. I don't know if the other person had the VHS, but there was that one song. Uh, I think it's We Are Young, and they had like a music video bonus <laughs> content after oh the movie. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if mine had that or not. It probably did. Oh, I thought it was so cool. Or I thought I was so cool for having it. (laughs) You know, I think, I think there's, I'm a friend's stan. Like I'm obsessed with that show. I will defend it till the end of time. And I realized too now that, you know, there's a lot of problematic things in that show too, but there was a lot of good in it. You know, Um, it did have the first like lesbian wedding and all of the, you know, those things that were like kind of unheard of in those days. So even, I mean, looking at something like Clueless, like, and looking at anything, I think from the past, there's always going to be things that are, you know, maybe a little problematic, but like everyone said, I think there's way more good in this than there is anything to be worried about. And obviously, like I said earlier, I always recommend when I hear someone hasn't seen, this is one of those that I'm like, how have you not seen it? <laughs> so when someone hasn't seen it, I'm like, please go watch it. Yeah. You're like, as if. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, some of, some of her slang, like she relates the, the relates, you know, the good looking guy is a, is a Baldwin. Oh my right? God. Yes. But, yeah. And so and some of her, yeah. And some of the, some of the, her, her slang, you're not necessarily going to get. And the whole thing with the fact you know, some people may not know that Mel Gibson made Hamlet, but she mm-hmm. makes, but yeah, I think she, she actually amuses Josh and impresses Josh when she gets the right character who says, so I know himself be true. And they're, they're like, I'm pretty sure that was Hamlet. And she's like, no, I may not know Hamlet, but I know Mel Gibson. And he did not say that, <laughs> you know, but so, so, you know, that may not translate too well. But but the references wise, but I, but yeah, there is a lot of, a, a lot of fun to be had and a lot of good in the movie. It's also not... she said sporadicus too, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> instead of sporadicus. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just want to ask, like nowadays, instead of a Baldwin, what would it be? Because I thought about this and I thought maybe a Hemsworth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Or maybe yeah. like um, maybe. I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of social influencers, because that's, like, the big it's, thing. So maybe, like... Actually, a, a funny, I was literally, um, I was watching New Girl before this, and there's an episode where, uh, I think it was Schmidt was trying to say, like, an attractive man, and he said, like a Hemsworth brother. Um, so I think <laughs> well, like, that is the answer. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe it would be, like, a Chris, you know? Like, yeah. Chris yeah. Pratt. Chris, Chris Evans. Evans. Yeah. Maybe we should try and and make this work. (laughs) (laughs) Not a new lingo, um, like in Clueless. So that's like, he's a total Chris. He's a total Chris. Chris. (laughs) Yeah, you could you fill in your favorite one there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It works. I feel like this should be our our, like little motto on a T-shirt. It's you know he's he's a total Chris. But I do like I do think I the uh the there's so many quotable lines in this movie. I just want to know what everybody's favorite line is from from the film. And if you can say it in your best like Californian accent, that would be great. <laughs> I did 
I it's a there's two. I mean, I like the as if like oh as if like you could say that now and people would know yeah. like what you'd mean. But I I also am kind of it's such a oh it's such it's so biting. But I hate but I love when Ty tells her like how am I taking advice from you? You're a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> like that is so that's so low. But I was just like oh. Like, and her little accent that comes out is so yes. hard. <laughs> Mine definitely is. I hope not sporadically. And anytime, if you are around me, anytime someone says the word sporadically, I'm coming back with that line. Whether you know it or not, I'm coming back with, I hope not sporadically. I'm, I'm saying it every time. I love when she says she's a full on Monet. Because it yes. so encapsulates the fact that like Cher's actually so smart. Yes. But she uses it that was in my such choice odd too. ways that people don't get it. And then my other line that I think is so underappreciated is whenever Cher's dad says, you divorce wives, not children. Um, oh, yeah. She has so many funny lines that I feel like people forget that sometimes because, like, everyone always quotes Cher's lines. Like when he's like, get out of my chair, too. It always cracks me up. Yes. The <laughs> yeah. But, no, the Paul Monet is probably one of my favorites, too. Um, yeah. You know, and- from a distance, it's... All right, but up close, she's a total mess of it. Yeah, I also use that regularly. <laughs> yes, that's, that's such a good one. And you know, I actually, um, when Cher gets up and gives her speech in debate, um, yeah. in debate class, I actually did that as a monologue in theater class. Um, we had to like pick a monologue, and I did that one. So I also love that little speech she gives. And you know the and. I'll Getting to the kitchen. Say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I I was just gonna say I like uh, when she says, "Do you prefer fashion victim or assembly challenged?" Um, I I just think that's so funny because it's kind of like making fun out of PC language, you know, PC mm-hmm. culture, and I think that was like quite big at the time of the 90s. So I think it's it's kind of funny that she's sort of um, taking that on board and and changing it in in her own way, but kind of also taps into how sort of um, I think she yeah is socially aware of of language and um, is taking on board what is happening around in in society at the time, even if she isn't really watching the news. (laughs) Right. I have to also say searching for a boy in high school is as useless as searching for meaning in a Polly Shore movie. It's such a great <laughs> It's not as quotable, but it's just it's an awesome line. It's so good, yes. Yeah, I was, if this is a if, um I was looking at the IMDB trivia about the movie. And so here are her, her teacher's comments on her report card. English composition, excellent composition and vocabulary. Debate, she's unprepared and undisciplined. <laughs> Bi- biology wouldn't dissect a frog. <laughs> Phys ed must learn responsibility. World history must try harder to pay attention to current events. <laughs> and geometry, nice shapes. <laughs> oh, my nice. God. Uh, well, um... I I would just quickly read off some some people's tweets. 
um, because um, I asked people over at Twitter what they thought of Clueless, whether they're a fan, and we had some great responses. So Sean Mannon said it's a wonderful movie, and his wife and him uh, quote this the line you're a virgin who can't drive at each other maybe too often which is hilarious i love that um dw uh londonberg um said it's terrific dumb on surface but savvy updating of emma underneath skewing the character's vapid search for identity in a way that's palatable for modern audiences um ian uh sorry ian Ken Worthy said he studied it in film studies and basically loves the entire thing and uh, Barbara said yeah it's such a delightful movie I love how good it's written and adapted from Jane Austen's Emma my favorite scene is when Cher finds out she loves Josh but doesn't know how to act around him so it's a totally new situation for her and then uh, Miss Isabel said that um, her favorite line is um, when Cher's saying about learning to drive, she goes, what's the point? Everywhere you go has valet. <laughs> and, this, and she said this because it's so true. Um, so, yeah, I really do. Um, I do love Clueless and I'm, I'm kind of glad that it won uh, our little poll. Uh, although I did really want to talk about Shirley. So maybe we'll get around to that one day. But talking about Shirley... Uh, if people head over to In Their Own League, you'll see which film uh, made our number one spot uh, out of our top 10, 15 films of 2020 so far. Um, Shirley is on that list, but obviously I'm not going to tell you which number it got to. But I'm just going to ask everyone quickly, um, what was your favourite film of 2020 so far? It's it's weird because I feel like I'm in catch-up mode. Like I'm going to watch Invisible Man this weekend, Ooh. and I and I know that's like that would be considered old, a couple months old now. And oh, it's I'm, so good. Yeah, it's so, so you're in for a treat. That was one of the last films I saw in theaters before everything shut down. And there's a certain moment that like I'm still shook to my core thinking about, and I'm so glad. <laughs> that I saw it in the theater. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that was like when I sent in my list, that was my number one, but um, there there's been some good ones. There's things too that like, I'm, I think when we get off this, this call, I'm going to finally sit down and watch first cow now that that's out. And I've been waiting mm-hmm. for that for so long. Yeah, so. I haven't, I haven't seen that one, but, and I had wanted to, but, and the assistant I had wanted to see, I did watch the five bloods recently, which was or the five bloods I should say um because he's spelled with the d-a and I like Spike Lee that was a good movie but it's not it's not light viewing um you know but and Delroy Lindo has such an incredible performance in there and um you know it was really really good but um you know that one I liked a, a lot you know other than just older ones that I've been trying to catch up on and um, you know, as my experience, last film I saw in the, in the movies at a screening was Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was like a, a t- film Twitter quish question. People were wondering, what's the last <laughs> film you actually saw, like in the movies? And I was like, it was Sonic the Hedgehog, believe it or not. I think was mine was cool. actually Shirley, which is kind of okay. weird that it was brought up because it was at Sundance before. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Everything yeah. unraveled. But I'm pretty sure that was actually the 
if it wasn't the last screening I went to, it was the second to last, but I think it was like one of the last ones. And uh, that's one of my favorites of the year so far as well. And Invisible Man was that kind of, even though I knew it was getting good reviews, it kind of exceeded my expectations. I really enjoyed it, but uh, I had the assistant as, as number one. Yeah, I do really like the assistant. It's not a very easy film to watch. Although, like the films this year have been really tough to like watch. They're all yeah. been a bit like serious. Whether it's never really, sometimes always, or uh, whether it is the assistant or Shirley. Even you know, Shirley is probably the lighter movie of like which those three. Which is crazy. But, which is crazy <laughs> <laughs> because it's still really depressing in a lot of regards. But yeah, anyone else want to just? Um, say yeah. yeah go ahead Nicole my um my number one film of the year is still the documentary Miss Americana but I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan and I um especially also loved what uh having like a female director make a film about a female you know superstar I thought that was a really nice thing to see but my second favorite movie I'm gonna say because it's relevant uh is actually the new Emma adaptation um which is Stunning. If you're looking for something lighter, also, I think it's a really great pick. It's a directorial debut from Autumn DeWilde, who is amazing. Um, and it's, and it's got, so beautiful to look my at. My God, it is the most beautiful movie. It's like I've actually watched it three times already because <laughs> it is really nice, um, kind of lighthearted fare. And like you guys were saying, we haven't had that much of that this year. Um, and it's got a gorgeous cast like Johnny Flynn, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Josh O'Connor, um, Miranda Hart and Bill Nye, like it's just perfect. So if you're watching Clueless, I would also recommend watching that to get kind of, it's a fairly accurate take on the novel actually. Um, and also remarkably period accurate as well. So highly recommend that. Well, you've sold me on what I'm watching tonight. So that's good. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I will add that to my list. And Nicole, you and I definitely need to talk about Miss Americana we should definitely chat about that. Yeah. Miss Americana is still the film of this year I've cried the most in. So. It's so good. It's a, I recommended it to people that like they're like eh, about Taylor Swift. I'm like, please watch this because you will understand how amazing of a woman she is. And I also think um, as Kanye is making weird announcements about his <laughs> plans, it's a great time to watch Miss Americana and yeah. remember uh, that he outed himself as a jerk many years ago. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes. And maybe maybe Taylor Swift should run against him. That would. Be. I mean, I saw I saw a tweet and I I don't know like if somebody retweeted it or what, but it was like you know Taylor Swift should run up at the last minute and get inaugurated. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've I've thought of Kanye less and less over the years, and I think about him less and less even more. So. Um, definitely like you said a good time to revisit how amazing taylor swift is i actually i'm really bummed because like next week was supposed to be her concert in la or like in two weeks and i was going and like me and my girlfriends had like this whole trip planned and it, like you know everything has been put on hold so i'm super bummed but it'll happen eventually so yeah, I feel like we need to have our own like mini concert thing where we all watch like we all do Skype and then we all watch like little videos on, on YouTube and then we have like the home concert experience. You know, mm-hmm. that could work. Yeah. Yes. That could work. Well, um, 
where can we find everybody? Where can we find you all online? Let us know. Okay. Oh. Um, <laughs> you can find me online basically on everything, Letterboxd, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, <laughs> at Nicole Ackman 16. Um, I'm on Twitter at um, Erock Reviews, and then I also have um, like a more personal Twitter, Erock114, and I'm also Erock114 on Letterboxd as well. I've been trying to really get better at, you know, logging all the films that I watch on there, so... Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, on Twitter. I actually had to look up my <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's at Strauss underscore Christy. I'm also on Instagram, which is just Christy on film. Um, but I'm not as Instagram like I'm not on there as much. I actually only started with Instagram. I feel so old. But um <laughs> like recently and I've still never been on TikTok, so yeah. Hey, neither have I, so welcome to the club. <laughs> I refuse to get TikTok. I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> if you do, you'll become addicted, so don't. Don't That's get sucked in. <laughs> I just rely on Twitter to post the funny ones, and I'll see them all there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe people can write in to see see if they would want us to have a, their league TikTok. Um, oh, wow. No. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, um, oh. Oh, uh, let me say, and I'm on, I'm on Twitter too. I'm at Valerie Calfrin and, um, and that's like my personal website too, but I have, um, I have reviews and other commentary and fun things, uh, via, uh, rogerebert.com and also, uh, Looper lately. So you can find me there as well as in their own league. Uh, yeah, you can find us uh, over at In Their Own League, www.intheirownleague.com. We're also on Patreon. Please do um, consider supporting us on Patreon because it would be, um, we really would, you know, appreciate your support. Um, you can also uh, follow us on Twitter at Their League, and or you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, and and Google. Yes. Some, uh, I'm going to just give it over to the podcast wizard to to announce this. Stephen, well, you've you've managed to do it. I have. It wasn't that hard in the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but yes, we're, we're, we, you can now find us on Google Podcasts as well. So yay, well done me. And um, sorry, Stephen, are you a Clueless fan? Before we wrap this up. Oh, now I've come up from behind. I saw Clueless at the cinema 25 years ago and I loved it <laughs> and I still like it. And I think you're absolutely right. It, it was there's 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 this group of um, teen comedies from that time that are based, well, not just teen comedies, but sort of remakes of classic works like um, Cruel Intentions and 10 Things I Hate About You and things like that. And this is by far the best by by a country mile it's it's immensely quotable um i prefer mean girls but yeah i love it oh as if (laughs) (laughs) well thank you all for joining me for this podcast and um it's been a really great time i've loved talking about clueless with you all and catching up and um yeah i hope everybody listening at home um lets us know what they think about clueless let us know if you want us to start using um uh he's a total chris um because i really want that (laughs) to happen 
make it happen and also let us know what films have you be, you've been watching in 2020 and which is your personal favorite as well um until next time take care everyone i didn't eat yesterday and i'm not gonna eat today and i'm not gonna eat tomorrow because i'm gonna be a super mom.